Your North Tokers. This is episode 24, the June 25th, 2016, with your host, Toker. Thank you all for listening. Today, what we're going to do is we're going to be looking at three applications that got, were complete applications of the state, and we're going to follow them through the borough process and see how, um, if the borough, what they do, they have a chance to uh, protest. Once you have a completed application, local governments have 60 days that they can protest an application. So what these meetings are tonight that we'll be listening to, they are representative. They're the second batch that have gone to the borough assembly. The first five have passed. You get a completed application. Notice goes to the government. They put you on this, and they have an opportunity to protest the application. If they protest the application, that goes to the CCB, CCB then decides whether it's appropriate or not, and if it is appropriate, then they move on from there. If it's not appropriate, um, then they don't move, and it seems like there's a high level that you have to maintain to get that. Um, one of the other things, Jim Oslin showed up again. I did not see him at the last meeting that I went to, but... Um, he's our friend of the drug-free Fairbanks. He's going to make everything safer by making marijuana. You cannot buy it. That is his goal. Um, first time I saw him, he was um, dealing with the Frosty Farms. He apparently he lives next to where Frosty Farms is going to be. The conditional use permit. He failed with trying to get that overturned. Um, zoning planning uh, passed in the planning commission. Um, he got that all done, and now he is starting this drug-free Fairbanks along with Lance Roberts and Vivian Stiver. So we'll see how those things go. I, I want to play a little bit of Jim here. Let's let's just revisit Jim now, okay? Jim Oslin, 6754 Kennedy Road in Salcha. Um, and if there's anybody else who wishes to testify, please come take the empty chair. Besides the applicants, we'll have them come up. Together. I find it Jim, interesting that Mr. Boyce is talking about uh, having a chance for a conditional use permit hearing. I went through that, and it was useless. The people that came in from Salcha that were objecting to uh, a grow operation out there on Candy Road were completely ignored. So... You got probably as much as you're going to get. You wouldn't get any more with a conditional use permit hearing. What I want to know is how did this get this far? I mean, I, there's all kinds of problems with this issue, and here you are. You've already given them a zoning permit for this, and it's bogus. There's issues that need to be worked out here. And I don't think it's fair to these people or the rest of us that – this stuff gets railroaded through, and it's not, not done properly. And I'm upset about it. And these people are upset. And I, I think you should review how this process is being conducted and do it right. One more thing, since I don't know, I don't know what you guys are going to talk about after I sit down, but on March 24th, I came before you, and I mentioned something about the Assembly Code of Ethics. And the Assembly Code of Ethics 2.10.12b authority says this, a public official shall not exceed his or her authority or breach the law or ask or coerce, or ask even, or coerce 
others to do so in the course of his or her official public duties. You read this resolution, there's a lot of stuff in here that you people are, that's, that's breaking the law, and you're doing it. So anyway, that's my comment, and if you guys continue to do this, that's fine, that's, that's on you. But you shouldn't be doing that. Mr. Um, Mr. Austin, we have a question for you. One question. When you said read the resolution, are you talking about Mr. Roberts' resolution? What, are, what, yeah, what I'm is talking the resolution about, that you're talking about? Yes, that's exactly it. And the whereas sections in the front that talk about federal law and all the rest of that, you, your guys oath of office and so on and so forth. You're violating what your actions are doing is in violation of federal law. Every time you do this, you're in violation of federal law. And you took an oath, and you've got a code of ethics that says you're not going to do that. And that's what I'm talking about. Okay. Thank you very much. Okay. Here, Mr. Oslin calls him out. Vigilanteism. I won't bore you with the same. Oh, excuse me. Jim Oslin, 6754 Kennedy Road, Salcha. I won't bore you with the comments I made last time. Uh, I'm against this for the same reason as before. The only thing I would ask you to do is look up the definition of the word vigilanteism because that's what you people are doing all except a couple of you thank you now we're all getting tired of mr oslin and you can even hear how he's introduced again mr oslin mr oslin go ahead jim oslin 6754 kennedy road salcha um I had an experience over the weekend, too, at the Midnight Sun Festival. A guy came up to me and said, uh, this has to do with the health aspects of marijuana use. A guy came up and said, marijuana cures cancer. And he said, really? I said, you mean it helps cancer patients with their, you know, their therapy, their, you know, the problems that come up with chemotherapy and radiation he says, no, no, it cures cancer. It's on the Internet. It's on YouTube. Just get on there and look. You'll see. So there's some good news. <laughs> um, I'm concerned about – I worked with young people for a lot of years in the ski business, cross-country ski, skiing. I'm concerned about any drug facility that's near camp for kids. shouldn't be that way. One of the things that bothers me is that we, you know, at home, at school, at church, we're trying to teach our kids that drugs are not good for you. You shouldn't be doing that. It's important not to do that. And then we provide activities to kind of keep them busy so they don't go that way. And here we are, you know, promoting this stuff. What do kids think when they... When they see pot farms, and pot stores, pot clubs popping up all over the, the countryside, what are they going to think? You know, do they think that's okay? They think it's like you guys are a bunch of hypocrites, you old people, because you tell us not to do this, but you just you don't really believe it yourself, but you don't want us to have any fun. That's why you're telling us this. Is that the message we want to send kids? So... I'm really dead set against anything like this being near a camp for kids. Shouldn't be doing that. 
Thank you. Question, Mr. Mr. Lawrence. Mr. Oslin, how do you distinguish uh, between uh, the uh, adults being legally allowed to consume alcohol but not children and uh, the same being with marijuana? Why is alcohol okay and not marijuana? Well, there's a difference between alcohol and marijuana in this respect. If you drink one glass of beer or one glass of wine, you're going to get a little buzz. If you smoke one marijuana cigarette, you're going to get intoxicated immediately. That's how it works. So there's a lot of difference between what we're talking about here in terms of alcohol and in terms of drugs. And that's, that's the problem I have with it. And the other problem is it's not just because really alcohol is a huge problem in this country. There's no doubt about it. I agree with that. And marijuana isn't quite as bad of a problem, but it's never been legal. It's never been out there where people can get access to it with no problems whatsoever, and it's everywhere. And we're starting to find out in Colorado and Oregon and Washington that there are some unintended consequences of having this stuff available commercially to everybody. And so that worries me. And, and I don't think we think about that when we consider the impact that legalizing this is going to have and commercializing it. So does this uh, drug-free Fairbanks thing have legs? I don't know. They have, I don't even know how many signatures they've got so far. They needed 2,500 in two weeks. Um, we'll see how they have after a week. I don't see this going anywhere. Come on. Really? All right. Let's, right now, what I want to do, I want to get right into the different, let's, let's listen to some warnings first, actually. Let's go to Guy Satley as he is talking about the process, and then we're going to hear um, a little bit the process of how they decide buffers and the zoning planning. Let's listen to that first, and then we'll go on to hear the, um, the actual public testimonies of these new applications. We're pretty new at this game. We had five of them last time, and now we've got three tonight. Is that what it is? Is, is just we can say, well, it's a civil matter, and sort it out yourselves and decide whether this does the job or, or it doesn't do the job? Uh, or, or are we actually, by approving the permit, are we weighing into the access discussion? You are not weighing in, and you're not approving. So you're not approving anything. What you're being asked to do by the state to is whether or not you want to protest someone's license application. So you're given the opportunity to weigh in if you see something that harms the public interest. Um, Mr. Spellman, would you um, talk about how the planning department thought about um, or evaluated this particular application with regards to the the camp. Yes, when when this came for a zoning permit, and actually a new zoning permit was issued, which is in your in your addendum today, um, based on floor area. But in terms of the camp, we evaluated that based on our separation distances. And our separation distances are from the lot line of the sensitive use, which would be from the camp's lot line, to the facility. 
And since this facility is an indoor facility, it would be the actual structure. We estimated it through the GIS system to be about 800 feet, um, which was enough for us to say it is far greater than the 100 foot required in code. Thank you very much. Okay, so now ahead we have Matt Cooper. And he wasn't at the last meeting where they did uh, five out of five. This one, he seems a little hesitant on approving these and not going forward with not protesting. Now you got to remember when they don't protest, that starts every. That starts the next thing. I mean, that's what we're looking for next. In good sense, we should be scheduled for. I think it's like the July 10th, or I'm not sure when it is after the CCB meeting. But anyway, once the the local wave that you don't have to wait 60 days it's gone i mean you can start i was worried about having to wait but you can go and a little a couple more things but you're really close you're within two weeks once you get through this process and you have your complete so grats to these last three and the five before so again matt cooper listen to how he talks about whether he's going to be protesting future ones mr cooper I say I think the the applications we've seen this is the toughest one for me in consideration because of its proximity to Camp Lywa. I think that uh, I had considered offering a, an amendment to remove everything from the protest except for the Camp Lywa uh, issue. But I think based on the testimony, um, you know, I think that that resolves the issues I had that would have led me to consider protesting this particular one. I think in the end I probably won't support filing no protest because of this issue, but uh, I don't think that this is one that um, we should protest. Now, he says they shouldn't protest, but when you listen to it later, he votes to protest, and it's the first one. So we have 6-3, Roberts, Hutchinson, and Matt Cooper. So what I say, Frank Berardi, if you're listening out there, um, here's your chance. Run against Matt Cooper. We got uh, uh, Sean Tack. So... Here it is. Let's maybe get some people involved and put put some more can of friendly. There's a lot of good can of friendly people there, even, I think, on the board. Let's listen to some reasonable answer from uh, Janice Westland. I don't think we need to protest this either. This is a very small indoor operation. It's only 16 by 18 feet. It's just a part of their house, and it's in a secure building. And frankly, kids or anyone else has no business being inside of their private building. Okay, so now what we'll listen to, we're going to listen to the three applications being presented to the Pro Assembly. They just basically get up there, ask questions, and they answer them. So we'll listen to Elevated Innovations, we'll hear the vote. We'll listen to Fox Enterprises, hear the vote. Subsistence Products, hear the vote. My name is Lawrence Bento, and the address is 405 Ream Lane. My name is Christopher Kanapka, my address is 405 Ream Lane. Okay, go ahead. Okay. Um, as an owner of Elevated Innovations, um, we are here to represent ourselves. I would like to start off by um, addressing a few of the concerns that have been brought to our attention in relation to our new um, standard cultivation facility application license. Um, the first concern that the location of the cultivation facility is accessed through and adjacent to a residential neighborhood and will be, ne and will be negatively impact the neighborhood. <clears throat> Um, Elevated Innovations is located on Chena Hot Springs Road, um, like we said, about mile, uh, 17 mile. We do have a few neighbors, um, but all of their properties, as well as, our, as, well as ours, sits, sits back off of Ream Lane a little bit. You know, so nobody's property is directly on Ream, so when you're driving through, um, 
all but one of our neighbors. You, you can't even see Ream Lane from, from our properties. Um, due, due to the very dense tree and brush coverage. Um, and for these reasons, I don't believe that our location will negatively impact our neighborhood in any way. Um, the second concern is that the location of the cultivation facility will be accessed through a road on a private property, and the owners are denying use for the purposes of accessing our cultivation facility. Um, I would like to provide a copy of a statutory warranty deed that was signed, in, <coughs> excuse me, signed into effect on the 16th day of October 1973 as proof that we have access to and the right to use Ream Lane to access our property. Um, would you like this? Yes, please. We'll get the clerk to copy that and get it back to you. Um, so a perpetual non-exclusive easement for roadway and utility purposes was granted in the statutory warranty deed, allowing roadway access to and from Chena Hot Springs Road. Um, I also have supporting statutory warranty deeds that show Ream Lane uh, must provide rights to public and government, governmental bodies and allow access to the premises that is reserved by statute and or public land orders for public highways and public use. Um, would you like those? Sure. Um, all evidence and supporting documents um, are records that I gathered from the Fairbanks Recording Department. Um, the third concern is the public policy and public safety and health, health and safety. Um, Elevated Innovations LLC is committed to, the, to following all state laws, regulations, and policies. Um, we've been working very closely with the state of Alaska, the Marijuana Control Board, and all of our local Fairbanks planning um, and development offices to ensure that we're completely compliant with the Marijuana Control Board regulations, our city policies, and, and our state laws. Um, public health and safety is very important to us. We've taken measures and created standard operating procedures to monitor um, all of our contaminants, whether in our water, soil, excess runoff water, um, to ensure that public health and safety is never compromised. Um, we are a completely organic farm, and we, we take a lot of pride in this. Um, we also take pride in the security measures that we have put into effect to make sure that everyone that is within our community and city um, is as safe as possible. Some of our security measures include um, using 32 security cameras. We have a six-foot-tall steel chain-link fence with triple-tiered barbed wire, um, the lights, motion detectors, a commercial-gated or a commercial-monitored security system, um, which has window door and motion detectors connected to it. Um, we also have secured gated entrance access to our property and steel commercial security doors affixed with commercial security locks and handles. Um, you know, we've made sure to think about public health and public safety in every application of this industry um, from start to finish. That's really been big for us because we, we have to have our support in the communities knowing that, that they're safe and, you know. Um, so, in conclusion, um, this is what I have to say to the um, remarks. And if you guys have any questions, we're definitely right here to answer them. Okay, I'm good. I think there are a few. Mr. Hutchinson. Sure. Yes, I have a couple. Um, on your application, uh, it's on page 185 of our package, you have your public notice posting affidavit, and you're supposed to post in a conspicuous location that's close in your area. 
and you chose the um, the holiday station at 575 Harold Bentley Avenue in Fairbanks which is right off the Johansson it's not anywhere close to 17 mile Chena Hot Springs Road and so uh, you know personally I looked up in the state statutes and they don't really define in your area but I would never take that station as the conspicuous location in 17 mile Chena Hot Springs Road. Can you address that, why that was posted there? Yes, we, uh, we chose that, that position so that we could effectively let as many people as we can know. Um, we had the little country store up on Chena Hot Springs Road, but there's not many people that circulate that area, and we were um, mandated to choose an area that has high traffic, um, which is... In, in your opinion, the uh, holiday store on Johansson serves the people in that area um, i mean it's kind of you know being by walmart and home depot it's kind of a big center point for people heading stop and getting gas we stop there every day you know to get gas fuel up and then head home um one other question is miss huff actually owns the property is that correct yes. and she rented it to your llc for nothing yes it says zero on the lease how long have you two gentlemen been at that location? I noticed you listed that as your residence address. Um, I personally have been there four months, I believe. I've lived there four months. And where are you from? Uh, from downtown Chicago, originally is where I grew up. And but prior to this, I lived in Anchorage for two years. Mr. Bento, where are you from? Originally, I'm from Idaho. The previous three years, I've been here in Alaska. And before that, Alaska, I was in San Diego. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Mr. Lawrence? Now, this is a this is going to be an outside cultivation area correct? correct what what do you anticipate your growing season being very short um this year we'll probably end the growing season the end of august two weeks into september okay now you meant you mentioned lighting uh, why is lighting necessary lighting is only necessary for security purposes that was again state mandated um there will actually be natural light the whole time that we're there. You won't even see floodlights for the actual operation. Well, okay, and I assume you've got to harvest everything you've got by the end of August. Correct. It's going to freeze on you. A couple of weeks in September. We have, it's actually, we'll have a plastic covering over it as well to try to buy us some time on the back end. So two weeks into September would be my estimated estimated guess. All right, but once once there's no marijuana in the field, are you going to need to? Are you going to? Are you going to be required to have those lights on? We will be dewinterizing that and most likely going to an indoor facility. I'm not sure what the requirements are as far as that lighting on the field. If we're not actually operating in it, if they want it to be on, I wouldn't assume so. But I actually do not know. All right. Those lights, Thank you. Yeah. Um, excuse me. For the record, those lights also have a only a 50 foot reach just for our cameras to ensure for security. Um, so the lights actually won't even make it off of our, our property um, where, they're, where they're located. And they're going to be directed around, from the perimeter down onto the, onto the field? Or? Um, so on essentially corners, looking at each other, so that any time somebody goes to approach us, you can see it. So they won't be on the field looking out. It's more to, to give us light for the security cameras to see who's coming in and out. They're around the perimeter, sir, so they're not actually facing inside of the field. They're facing down, and they're, they're really meant to be 20 feet from outside the fence to expose light for security cameras. All right. Thank you. Mr. Roberts? Um, yeah, so what I was going to say was did you know that a 
statutory warranty deed doesn't give you rights on other people's property. But reviewing this, it doesn't look like these are the deeds necessarily to your property. It's the property next door. Is that correct? Um, the one of them is from the Reams who originally owned the property, granting rights right. to the road. Yes. Right. And so have you had somebody who understands these measurements uh, where it defines the road on the first document um, explain to you exactly relative to the map where those roads are, where those road easements are? Um, when I went and spoke with um, the engineering department here in Fairbanks, um, he, he had referred me to the planning – or, um, excuse me, the uh, – documents um recording yeah the, the, the uh, recording office and uh together we had found these documents and from that we were able to conclude with her together the woman that i was working with at the recording department that this in fact did prove that we had access to the property um well okay uh, that's all i have for questions Ms. Dodge. Thank you. I have um, quite a few, if I might. So, first of all, um, I'm looking at this map that shows your um, restricted your outdoor cultivation area and a processing facility. Yes. And I was curious where your your house is also on. You have a living. Correct. Um, since that's actually just the business diagram for okay. the business premises, we're in the corner that is missing. Right. Okay. In the right bottom corner or left bottom corner, excuse me. Yep, right there where your thumb is. Thank you. And um, this um, application in front of us is just for your outdoor cultivation. Correct. You have a separate one for the indoor cultivation. Um, that is. That is for if the you future. Were to do Correct. That, it would be a separate. Correct. Uh, Thank you. Um, and I was also, I was curious, um, we've heard a lot, of course, about construction going on this, when, this summer and r impact to the roads and things of that nature. Can you speak to that? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I would love to. Um, so there has been um, traffic on the road. Um, to begin with that aspect, we have talked with the neighbors. Um, the road's a dirt road, and it's, I mean, through the wet season, you know, through this last thawing season, you know, the road's changed, molded, it's been compacted, it's changed again, compacted, you know, I mean, it's went through this process quite a few times. Um, but we have talked with our neighbors about coming together, and we've all come to the conclusion that we're all going to take care of it, we're all going to chip in. Um, and honestly, the road is just rough because it's a dirt road. Um, the heavy equipment... Um, we had talked to some neighbors. We were actually using it to run up and down so that we could compact it to make it a little bit better. So the road is rough, but I honestly don't believe it's just because of us. And we do have plans with the rest of our neighbors to maintain this road and to and, take care of it. And is most of your construction complete for the? Yes. Um, the heavy equipment construction was only for two phases of it and a third phase that we didn't anticipate. But uh, total construction with heavy equipment equates to about two weeks. And do you have power, I presume, to yes. the property? Yes. Thank you. Anyone else? Any more questions? All right. I don't see any more questions. Oh, one more. Mr. Lawrence? Not for, not for the applicant. Okay. All right. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate your testimony. You're welcome. Okay. I'm assuming there's nobody else who wishes to testify on this application. Seeing none. Public hearing on this is closed. Ms. Hutchison? No. Ms. Westland? Yes. Mr. Satley? Yes. Mr. Quist? Yes. Mr. Lawrence? Yes. Mr. Cooper? Yes. 
Mr. Roberts? No. Ms. Dodge? Yes. Mr. Davies? Yes. Would anyone like to change their vote? Seeing none, clerk? 7-2. 7-2, the motion to file no protest is <coughs> approved. Glenda Crocious, 2330 Gunner Lane. Glenn Crocious, 2230 Gunner Lane. We're just here to answer any this questions. Is my daughter. Okay. And my hearing aid. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. We understand that. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Um, so you don't have any statement? You just, if there are questions. Questions. Does anyone have any questions? Ms. Hutchison. I do. Um, on the, and I couldn't find it here real quick, which page it was, but it's it's the page on the conspicuous posting. And you, you had listed Steese Post Office. Can you clarify Correct. what post office that is? It's the one there on... Old Steez by okay. Curry's Corner. It's across the way. Okay, so it's the Curry, cor yeah, the Curry's Corner one. Curry's Corner. Yeah. I, I figured that's what it was, but there's also that post office thing on Old Steez, so oh. I didn't know. Okay, so. thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay, any other questions, Ms. Dodge? I just have um, a simple question. I'm a curious question. Sure. We have two pictures here. One, this kind of a GPS that shows some many greenhouses it appears in Correct. place mm -hmm. and i was just curious are those existing then Correct. and thank you and were those existing before yes you my parents did hydroponic tomatoes for years and then decided that we weren't making enough money doing that so they've been empty for 20 years i suppose yeah wow. so yep. we're just bringing everything back up to uh fixing little pieces that might be broken thank you such as, uh, we be growing vegetables at all? My mother has three tomato plants and a couple of tomato plants. It'll be in one end, okay, but not nothing not commercially. Commercial. No. Commercial. Thank you, Mr. Lawrence. Yes, Mr. Satley. Yes, Mr. Roberts. No, Miss Westland. Yes, Miss Hutchison. No, Mr. Quist. Yes, Mr. Cooper. Yes, Miss Dodge. Yes, Mr. Davies. Yes. Would anyone like to change the vote? Seeing none. Seven two. 72, motion to file no protest is approved. Uh, my name's Carl Huff, and this is my son, Morgan. Um, I live at 1062 Steel Creek Road, 99712, and Morgan lives at the address that we're licensing at 440 Bias Drive. Uh, <coughs> I think before I... I'm gonna I'm gonna refrain from getting into a lot of political comment on this because we could be here all night with that. But um, I want to just express my appreciation to Brian and Manish and the zoning department who have been really patient and considerate in helping us work through this whole process. It's been a kind of a intense. It's kind of been like shooting at a moving target because things have changed as we've been moving along. Nobody's done it before. It's been some anxiety, but those guys have been stellar, and I want to express my appreciation for that. Uh, I guess I, I'm just going to say a little bit. I I live in a country where we sing a song about being free and brave, the land of the free and the home of the brave, and it seems like I've waited my whole life for us to mature enough that we aren't afraid of people that smoke a little pot and we're brave enough to allow this to become a part of our society and and we're going to not be so the, the thing that bothers me about it is not so much the, even the illeg illegality of it but the hypocrisy of it 
I just I feel a lot more comfortable now that we aren't being so hypocritical about marijuana and hopefully that'll extend to some other things that we're really hypocritical about but um, I think this is a step in the right direction I've waited my whole lifetime for this to finally become reasonable instead of th things people get thrown in jail for uh, I really appreciate the potential that I may be able to actually legally grow some pot before I grow old and die because <laughs> I really enjoy it. It's fun. It's a nice plant. It's, I won't see any more. Uh, I encourage you to not protest this, I guess. Do we have something you want to add? Uh, one thing in response to the uh, previous protest was there that should be made note is there is no line of sight we're on a 26 acre lot there and there's no line of sight between the actual camp and the building on that lot and there will be no no visual line of sight to any product ever in the facility so as far as the camp kids being able to see what's going on there there won't be it's not like they're they are adjacent, but there's no. They're very far apart. It's 26 acres. They have a very large lot too. I'm not sure how large the Lake Liwa property is, but no line of sight or anything like that. Right. Thank you. So that completes your testimony. That's all I have. All right. Questions then, Miss Dodge. Thank you. And looking at the diagram, it appears that what you're doing is putting a a, a small storage or you're putting in a small grow area in the in your home basically the back some portion of the back of the home yeah. you're going you've set aside to do a small grow and process that's correct thank you such as how close are you to the uh, ski trail that goes along there well we're pretty far from that that's a quarter of a mile or more from us mm, at least up on the hill property is yeah. Multiple, multiple lots in between there. Mr. Cooper. All right, I just, I, and I have probably take a couple questions, so just bear with me. I'm looking at the map, and your house or the uh, building where the facility will be located is kind of on the west end of the lot next to Bias Drive. Is that right? And I understand you've got a 26-acre lot. Is the east half, is that cleared? Is it wooded, or is it? It's tundra and swamp and pond okay and uh, where you, you share a property land with camp lywa do you know if camp lywa has developed that parcel next to your property at all or is that Not still just up, they, there's a, a boardwalk that comes down there along the pond that they use sometimes but that doesn't have view of our house and i mean other than using the pond out there for or their lake for canoeing and stuff we don't really even interface. I do have a have since I purchased that property and built my house there. I have a really good relationship with the people at Camp Liwa. At one point, they had suggested that they would like to buy it, and when I moved out, I was considering selling it at that point. But they couldn't swing it with their board of directors in Anchorage. But yeah, we've we've always had a good relationship with those people. Have they talked to you at all about this application? No. Mr. Satley and Mr. Roberts. And um, I was going to ask you, I am asking you how big your lot is. I heard 26 acres. Is that right? Actually, it's the lot that this 
licensed premises is on is a 15-acre lot. 15? I have the lot uh, to the north of it also, and that total package is about 26 acres. I see. And it looks like there, looks like Lywa's lot is, they must have 40 or something? Uh, yeah, they probably got a quarter section or something. Yeah. They've got a pretty good-sized chunk there. It includes most of Lake Liwa. We have one shore of Lake Liwa. Oh, okay. And uh, yeah, and and it's actually from our established from our building to that north to that east property line that we share with the Camp Liwa is approximately a thousand feet. Yeah. And then to any development that they have is another quarter of a mile or so. Okay. Good. Thank you. Okay, Mr. Roberts, did I have you or no? Um, no. Actually, I was just going to. Clarify the lot size because the zoning permit says 12.62 acres, but that was done. All right, thank you. Ms. Hutchison. Um, do you know if Camp Lyla was notified when you made your application? Um, I don't think they were specifically notified. They were just uh, privy to the notification in the paper and the notification at the post office because, because it's an RA zone, notification wasn't uh, required. more questions? Thank you very much. Mr. Satley? Yes. Mr. Lawrence? Yes. Mr. Roberts? No. Ms. Hutchison? No. Ms. Westland? Yes. Mr. Cooper? No. Mr. Quist? Yes. Excuse me, Mr. Cooper, what did you say? I'm sorry, I said no. Thank you. I miss <coughs> Ms. Dodge? Yes. And Mr. Davies? Yes. Would anyone like to change their vote? Seeing none? 6-3. Six three. Passes. Did you guys hear that? Did you hear how Mr. Cooper kind of and as they're going through the roll call of votes? No. They went through a couple more people before the clerk went back and said, Excuse me, Mr. Cooper, what did you say? Uh, excuse me, no. I don't know, gotta be worried maybe. Okay. Okay, now what I'm gonna look at. We'll sit here and I'm going to read you the resolution that Lance Roberts has put in. He is going to put this down for every single uh, cannabis license that's presented to the, the borough. So um, he'll have different reasons for each specific license, but the basic ones he's going to set forward are is a violation of federal law and it's going to negatively affect public health. Then he has very specific ones, depending on which which uh, license it's going to be. Uh, elevated innovations, he talks about residential and access road. Subsistence products, he talks about uh, proximity to uh, church youth camp. And Foxy Enterprises just got the general one. So prepare if you're out there going in front of Lance Roberts. He's going to present these at every one. Let's go through this quick. And keep in mind... If there were more people like Lance Roberts on the borough assembly right now, um, everything would be different. It would be very hard to have a can of business in Fairbanks. So we need to thank our current uh, borough assembly members that are there that are that are wanting Fairbanks to have a positive growth experience with this. So let's get back to resolution number 216.25, and then it's going to go 26.27. Um, 
So a resolution protesting new standard cultivation facility, and he gives the license number and then he tells the name. Whereas this company has applied for a new standard cultivation marijuana license, whereas it's responsibility for the borough assembly to hear community concerns regarding matters of public policy, public health, and safety, whereas growing marijuana for commercial sale continues to be a violation of federal law and the assembly's oath of office includes swearing to uphold all laws, including the laws of the United States. Whereas, under the Supremacy Clause of the United States Constitution, lawfully adopted federal laws prevail over state and local laws, and as such, a marijuana business operating in violation of federal law should not be licensed to operate in the Fairbanks North Star Borough. Whereas, the location of the cultivation facility is accessed through... Okay, here's where he talks about the specifics. So, it says, Now, therefore, be it resolved that the Fairbanks North Star Borough Assembly protests. And he gives the name. He says... If it licensed, it would operate in violation of federal law, and it negatively impacts public health. Okay, the, the impacting public health, crazy. Uh, just so much research on it the other way, um, and negatively. There's plenty of positively. Okay, so be it further resolved that the Assembly directs the borough mayor and borough attorney to take appropriate steps to use any document or evidence necessary to effectively advance the positions of the Fairbanks North Star Borough at any hearing before the State Marijuana Control Board. Okay, so these did none of his protests passed. Although, um, so what I want to say is it was two to seven against his protest. So um, one of the things that's really, really good, Pakalolo, they were one of the first to get through in the Fairbanks. They could have waited 60 days to do it. Um, they are just going forward and waiving their right to protest, which is beautiful. The the local governments and allowing business to start moving forward. So, what I'm saying is seven two, one of the last uh, votes. Um, the subsistence products went six three with Matt Coof, Cooper voting against. So keep that in mind for the future. Because I can see where Little China, maybe there was something to the north of the property that's never been built or something. And we don't have time or ability to go into all that right now. Mm -hmm. I guess what I'm really trying to get to is it's certainly murky. We certainly had testifiers from the property, and we'll wait and see. I was hoping – I had talked to them earlier. I was hoping they'd have a legal letter by now, but sometimes those things take time, I guess. So we'll have to see. So that was one point I wanted to make. The other is I'd, I'd like you to think about um, – Think about Flint Hills. I think of that because, you know, when you look across the valley, if you're at a good high spot, you can see Flint Hills when it was in operation at least. I don't know what it looks like right now. And it's a really bright spot. Think about having that kind of industrial operation in your neighborhood. You know, that's what we're talking about with light pollution where you get this huge bright spot. You know, this resident here lives on a high place that can see that lot directly. Um, but there are maybe others in that area that um, have the same problem. And this kind of industrial operation going into these residential neighborhoods um, is going to upset for probably a number of reasons that I've brought up before, but I believe this is certainly one of them. What I'd like you to think about overall is what are we doing to do some type of a land use deal? You know, we did some zoning last August, but we recognized at the time that it was really hard to protect residential neighborhoods that weren't zoned um, with residential zones, um, though I take the point of the testifier for residences in rural ag. 
But for the residential zones that we used to say there would be no establishments in it, outside of that, we knew that we would have we, – we made up a little rule for a slight condition where we'd have a conditional use process. But most of us, I thought, were thinking of the protest that at that point we could address concerns, just like when Dogs Bar was trying to move on to Gina Hot Springs at Three Mile uh, before I got on the assembly, and there was a huge discussion, and, and it was decided, no, it wasn't the right place to have that. The neighborhood came out in force. And so at some point we have to draw lines. We have to say, you know, this really isn't appropriate for this neighborhood, or I guess – for those who are really into zoning, what's the real purpose if we're not going to do some kind of protection for the people who wanted to live in that um, residential style? So in, as a general comment on the situation, I would just like people to think about that. You know, Is there ever going to be any situation where, where we're going to say, no, that's just not appropriate for that neighborhood? Think about where that line is in your head, and uh, that's all the comments I have for right now. Reasons uh, that I would like the borough to uh, protest this application is that the marijuana cultivation facility, if licensed, would operate in violation of federal law and that marijuana cultivation negatively impacts public health. Thanks. I just uh, wanted to bring up one point that I probably would have brought up in the last one, but I had too much to talk about then anyway. Um, when we're talking about health, um, points I usually – like to bring up with people about the health aspect is, you know, of mind-altering drugs, this has been studied more than anything else, and the vast overwhelming consensus um, are the negative health effects that come from it. Uh, right now in the U.S., there are more people uh, in abuse treatment for marijuana than any other drug. And then a number I had that I hope I'm getting right, but I'll certainly be in the right range, but in 2009, the National Institutes of Health said that there were 300 and I believe it was 72,000 people who went to the ER because of marijuana. So I just wanted to bring those facts up. Thank you. Yes, so this resolution uh, protests this establishment on the grounds that if licensed it would operate in violation of federal law, that marijuana cultivation negatively impacts public health, and that a church youth camp is located in the neighborhood and adjacent to the cultivation facility uh, lot negatively impacting the camp, which has been in operation since statehood. Thank you. Ms. Hutchison? Same. 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 <laughs> Mr. Roberts? Um, I don't think I had anything more to comment. I, um, you know, I guess based on because we changed, the, you know, if we had had the old buffer definitions, the standard ones um, that we had used before, that we had at least in the original ordinance, um, then this would have been a zoning violation. But it was really only because we changed those um, – the way we measured the buffer that uh, it changed it because because we're measuring from lot line to building now. So uh, I just wanted to bring that point up. Uh, I think that – I don't know. I think somewhere we have to draw a line, and I can't imagine – someplace more at a church youth camp. It's been around for 50 years and plus, and, and we're putting this kind of impact next to it, I think is uh, – plus, I mean, it really is – I didn't mark it down as a residential neighborhood, but there's certainly stuff going on in there, and uh, I think it's something to be concerned about. So I'll be supporting my protest, of course. 
That was Lance Roberts and how he wants to do things. Let's listen to Diane Hutchinson. Well, I'm going to support the resolution. Um, I won't go over again what our oath of office is. I read it last time. I, I do believe that um, it does violate my oath to uh, approve this license. And I did want to clarify one thing because I think it's important to our oath. Um, it was brought up by Mr. Quist that he, he questioned the constitutionality of the Federal Controlled Substance Act. And so I did a little research, just I wanted to clarify that tonight, and then I won't say any more about it, is there has been Supreme Court cases, and they actually involved explicitly marijuana in interstate growing only. Uh, there's some cases, Gonzalez versus Rich, and then uh, when they revisited in that Wickard and Filburn, and they raised the issue of whether local use of a product could be found to have a cumulative impact on national markets. They noted that under the Controlled Substances Act, um, that Congress could regulate all aspects of not only the interstate market but the intrastate. And the court concluded that the law was indeed constitutional. And so I just bring this up because all of us probably have things, the EPA thing, you know, to say, well, we don't like that law or we don't think that it's constitutional. But that's not what governs in our country what's constitutional or not constitutional. Um, Laws are made, and until they're questioned in the courts, and sometimes going to the highest courts, you really don't know if they're constitutional or not. But when this has been questioned, and it's gone to the highest court, and it has been found that their control in the, um, the Controlled Substance Act is, in fact, constitutional. And so the very last thing I'd say is there was another uh, Cooper versus Aaron, and the court considered the effects that the state authorities had, and it and the court came out with the unanimously declared no state legislator or executive or judicial official can war against the court or the, with, against the Constitution without violating his undertaking to support it. If the legislatures of the several states may at will annul the judgments of the courts of the United States and destroy the rights acquired under those judgments, the Constitution itself becomes a mockery. Federal law, not state law, is the supreme law of the land. Despite the efforts of some states, even today, to nullify federal laws they disapprove of, few things in constitutional law are any clearer than the fact that such efforts are grossly unconstitutional. So I bring these things up because this is our oath of office. This is what we all put our hand on the Bible and said we were going to uphold. And so um, I, I cannot, in good conscience, vote for these licenses. Thank you. Um, again, I'll be supporting the resolution, uh, again, on the grounds that I, I do believe that it violates my oath. And, and I do have a comment on the health because I did have a, a gentleman come up to me this weekend, and he was an amputee, and he told me he was a medical marijuana card carrier. And then he said, I'd like you to convey a message. And I said, okay, what is it? And he said, he has quit using the marijuana for medical because the THC content, in his opinion, has become so high in most of the things that he does that it is no longer uh, doing what he originally had gotten a marijuana card for. And I said, well, that's something you should probably be telling people. And he says, I can't go out and tell people that, so I would like you to. So I'm passing that along, that uh, marijuana card user... Um, not making this up, and he was adamant that the THC content is so high now 
in most of the, the products that he was using for his medical marijuana that uh, he considered it dangerous. So just passing that along. Thank you. Someone who's being a bit surprising as of late, a little bit to me, is Christopher Quist. He is very supportive of cannabis. It's unfortunate that he was not so supportive of the THC club. I don't know what's going on with that situation. Maybe just to outdo his competition. I sure hope not. But let's hear what Mr. Quist has to say. Um, Great job in um, bringing things home on a lot of things. Mr. Quist. Thank you. Um, Okay. Well, I've got a lot to say. I'll try to be concise and not too redundant. And I might come up with some boilerplate, I guess, because I think we might be going through this a lot. Um, okay, uh, just to to speak to the idea that cultivation is negative to the public health in a residential neighborhood, I can't think of a way that growing a plant negatively impacts public health, and that's all we're talking about today is this cultivation facility. I think you'll recall I made similar comments a couple weeks ago. Um, okay. Uh, like the the big one here, this idea of this being a, a breach of our oath of office. Oh, maybe I'll start at the end. I really don't care. I can't in good conscience support what I feel is a racist and unjust law. And uh, and the other week I didn't say that I I uh, that it was unconstitutional. I said I was of the opinion that it should be, and that I disagreed with the jurisprudence, which I didn't go into detail because it's it's out there if you want to look it up. But basically, it's the grossest violate or abuse of the interstate commerce clause. And it, and I'll just I'll leave it here with this point that it took a constitutional amendment in order to give the federal government the power to prohibit alcohol, and I'm of the opinion and this might be above my pay grade since I'm not a Supreme Court justice, okay, but I'm of the opinion that it would take a constitutional amendment to give the federal government the ability to prohibit cannabis. I'm also of the opinion that our hemp-growing, beer-swilling agrarian founders did not envision a country in which cannabis was illegal. Um, So I, you, Diane, in good conscience can't support something like this, I, in good conscience, can't support the enforcement of a law that is founded in racism and the far-right political agenda. And, and I'd be happy to discuss this with anybody else, um, anybody in length at some other point. And, um, okay, some of the, the practical concerns here. Um, this is a rural agriculture zone. We're talking about growing plants. It's a garden outside. They're plants with flowers on them. Um, seems pretty appropriate. Uh, there's also going to be indoor cultivation of this plant in this rural agriculture zone. Seems pretty appropriate. Um, and just uh, the last couple of things here. Um, let's say this was just a residence and somebody was keen on their security and they wanted to have a secure home, I think that they would be well within their rights to put up some lights so that their security cameras worked. Um, This is not a refinery and comparing it to one of the brightest things in the borough, I mean, that is just, I don't, I don't even know where to start there. And I guess the last thing I'll say, we're, we're discussing 
whether or not to file protest today. We've got this resolution in front of us. Um, but we're not licensing this establishment. The state does that. And I don't see any valid reason why we should be filing protest at this point. So I would speak against this resolution. Thank you. Mr. Quist. Thank you. I'll be brief. Um, I'll, I won't make more than one very like impassioned constitutional speech a day. So I won't. Just, I'll just echo my comments from before. Mostly I'll just address some of the new things that were said. Um, I don't think anybody's making any claim that uh, cannabis is 100% safe. I can't think of any activities that actually really are. Um, I think it's everybody who has paid attention to the science or is reasonable in general should see that it's clearly safer than alcohol. Um, and uh, to speak to this, um, you know, the gentleman who didn't want to come forward but wanted to talk about THC content being too high, I think that, uh, that he would be happy to learn that with legalization, although it's not medical and they can't call it medical, with his recreational legalization, every product will have to be tested and it'll be clearly labeled on the package what the THC content is. So just like when you buy a bottle of beer, it says, or a bottle of booze, whatever, it says the percentage of the alcohol, same kind of deal. And also, they'll have to also label the CBD, uh, which is like another chemical in there that's not psychoactive, but it, a lot of people use for the medical benefits. So this person can be a more informed consumer. And, I've, and so if anything, legalization, regulation, um, in my opinion, in this case, over-regulation, it, it's making this a much safer product than it, than it was when it was illegal and solely in the black market. If I could just add, because I think it's really important that, um, that everybody understands and appreciates that minors aren't allowed in any of these facilities at all. Unlike like a, a package store where you go to buy beer, you can take your kid in or you can go to a bar with your kid. You won't be able to go to a retail store or a cultivation facility with a minor at all. And every, so everybody has to be – and everybody else who isn't like an employee and licensed otherwise or whatever has to be escorted. It has to have like a badge. I mean it's way overregulated and rightly so to protect kids. And if from the federal government down, the number one thing on the coal memo – is, you know, look out for the kids. And I think that the regulations do that. I think that we're doing that. And it's an indoor garden, a secure indoor garden. And it's not going to, it doesn't hurt anybody, their plants. Thank you. Hey, thank you for joining us on Far North Tokers. You can find more episodes on SoundCloud. Search Mid Toker. See ya.